That's actually a phrase that appears in John's gospel. And since today is Father's Day, I thought that it would be fitting for us to just think about what it would mean to be able to see our Heavenly Father. Now, you know, many of us who, you know, maybe grew up and we might have uh, times of, that we went camping with our own fathers and we spent time with them. You know, even Jesus himself spent time like in the wilderness, if you remember, and just different times that he spent with his heavenly father in prayer. So the concept of Lord show us the father, it is very significant. And also for those of you who are a part of our church, you know, you've probably recognized that we have several uh, men of our congregation who are just recently uh, have become fathers. So, you know, I know that in my own personal journey, when I've, whenever I became a father, 
things changed in my life in, in ways that I didn't even know it was going to happen. And also all these different phrases that keep appearing about, you know, show us the father or just how God is our heavenly father. All this idea about God as being our father, it took on a whole new meaning whenever you are a father yourself and you start to recognize these passages and kind of how much love he has had for us and what it really means that he is our father. So I want us to think about this statement, Lord, show us the father. Let's look at where it comes from. In John chapter 14, a very familiar passage shows up in verse 6, and the phrase shows up in verse 8 about Lord, show us the Father. So let's take a look at this passage together. John 14, verses 6 through 8. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. You can see that Philip, he wanted just to be shown this father because Jesus was already talking about being able to, to see him. And Philip wanted to see him. He wanted to be shown the father so bad. But how do we see God who is a spirit? I mean, a few chapters earlier than this in John chapter four, verse 24, you know, we're told that God is a spirit. So how can we ever see the father? How can we ever be shown the Father? Well, thankfully, Jesus continues on and, and he elaborates on what it means to be shown the Father. So let's keep reading in John 14. Verses 9 through 14 now. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And you will do whatever you ask, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So this passage here in John 14, we see this, this conversation here going on. We see this connection between Jesus and his own heavenly Father. In fact, in verse 11, among other passages, uh, among other verses here in this passage, Jesus actually says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And we know that also in verse 11, you know, he talks about this evidence, you know, about believing on this evidence of the works themselves. See, the works that Jesus did, it showed that the father is in him and that he is in the father. That that close connection between Jesus and his own father are evidenced by the works that Jesus did. And then in verse 11, in verse 12, I'm sorry, we see that Jesus actually says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind whenever you think of actually doing greater works than what Jesus did. But you know, if you look at history and if you think about history, for the past 2,000 years, the church has been doing the works that are evidence of being connected with the Father, just like what Jesus says here in verse 11. So in verse 12, 
they've been continuing on the same types of works that Jesus did whenever he was here. And even more than that, he says that they will do greater things than what he himself did. And why is that? What's the whole purpose behind it all? Well, when you look at it in verse 13, you find out that the purpose for what Jesus did was so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I would say that it's the same thing for the works today. The works that we do today are so that the Father can be glorified. And that is so significant. We don't need to take away from that, but we need to recognize our place in being able to spread the gospel message and be able to glorify the Father by the actions that we do. Doesn't this kind of start to change the works that we do whenever we recognize that the works that we do, we do it to bring glory to our heavenly Father, just like what Jesus did. That's the whole purpose why he did those things that he did, was to glorify the Father through his life. We've got to do the same. At least we've got to do the same things. And Jesus says that we're going to do greater things than what he himself did. Does that describe your life? You know, I mean, when you start thinking about it, oftentimes if we ever compare ourselves to Jesus, we think, oh, he did all these great things and we've just done such, something so small. But yet, when you look at the church as a whole and what we've done as fellow believers, you start to recognize that our influence has gone out throughout the entire world based on these works that we've been doing. Not to bring us glory, not to, to make us look like we're something great, but it's all to raise up our eyes to the Father and give him all the glory and honor and praise that is due to him because he is great and he is the one who's given us the ability to do these things even today. Jesus continues on in talking about this relationship between the Father and how great our Heavenly Father is. So let's keep reading. This time, verses 15 through 21, Jesus says this about what we'll do and kind of some of those, those works. We start to see a definition for what those mean. Verse 15 through 21, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So you start to find out more about these works and more about this love and more about the how much our Father cares for us. We find out clearly that our Father cares for us in this passage. We see that he is not going to leave us as orphans, like what verse 18 says. Well, how is he not going to leave us as orphans? Well, he's not going to leave us because he's going to send another advocate. That's what's stated here in verse 17, that this other advocate, the one who's going to, going to be with us, is this spirit of truth. See, Jesus knew that he, his time here on this earth with his own disciples was limited. And he knew that there needed to be another advocate that was going to be with the church and among the church and to help them thrive after he ascended to be with the Father. And it says in verse 16 that that advocate, the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit himself, is going to be with the believers forever. So here in this passage in John 14, we see the Father, 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They all help to take care of us. They all have their, their jobs and their own timings of when they do things and how they do things. They all together as one in this unified uh, force that is in our lives will help us and focus us. They all deeply care about us and they guide us. They're not going to leave us as orphans. They don't leave us alone. They help us every step of the way to be able to point us toward what we need to be doing. What is that that we need to be doing? The, Jesus says here in verse 15 that if you love me, keep my commands. Well, what does that look like? Let's keep looking. This time, verses 22 through 27. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So Jesus kind of turns his attention here in, in these passages. And he talks about if we love, like what verse 23 says, that if we love Jesus, if we love the Father, then we're going to obey his teaching. What does that look like? Well, that's part of the Great Commission, if you remember. The very last thing that Jesus said before leaving this earth and ascending to be with his Father was to teach all the nations everything that he had been teaching them. So that, that's still the task that we are supposed to do. We're supposed to make disciples. We're supposed to baptize them and continue to teach them everything that Jesus taught his own disciples and thereby continue to teach what Jesus taught. If we love him, we'll obey his teaching. Not just the Great Commission, that's part of it, but we'll do more than that. We'll obey his teaching in how we treat one another and how we worship our Father in spirit and in truth and the type of love that we're called to have for him. If we love him, then we will obey him. That's very important. You know, sometimes we like to focus on how much God loves us and, and because of that love, you know, he's done everything for us to help save us and that's true. But if we love him, we're gonna obey him. We're going to do works. It's just, it's only natural for works to follow this faith that we have, this love that we have in Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. And we also find out that whenever we love Jesus, whenever we obey his teachings, also verse 23 tells us that Jesus' Father, who is also our own Father, he will love them. He'll love us. He'll love us in all of this. But more than that, he will make his home with them. That means he'll make his home with us. Could you imagine what that might be like? I know sometimes we think about how great it would be to walk and talk with Jesus Christ whenever he was here on this earth, that he made his home, so to speak, for a time being here on this earth. But our father is said to make his home with us. For those people who love him, who obey his teaching, he'll make his home with them. You know, that's also what we find out about at the end of the Bible, don't we? We find out that God's home is with humanity, is with those who are faithful to him, who love him, 
who have obeyed his teaching, those people God makes his home among. And we see it's not just, of course, God the Father, but it's also God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. All of them, they make their home with us. It's a wonderful thought, but it's more than just a thought. It's more than just a dream. It's something we can hope in. It's something that we have promised here, that he will make his home with us. We find out toward the end of this passage also about uh, continuing on that this other advocate, the Holy Spirit, is going to be with us and is going to help us, help them specifically, but also help us as believers even today. And because of this, because of this whole thing of what Jesus has done for us and what the Father has planned for us all along since nearly the beginning of time, we find out that because of this great plan of God, in verse 27, we can have peace. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. This peace that we have that comes from Jesus, the peace that we have that comes from our Father, it's not like the peace that you can get in the world. You know, I like it to have peace in the world. I like it to have uh, peace here in the United States. That's wonderful whenever we can have that type of peace. However, this peace that he is talking about is more than just what the world can offer. It's a peace beyond what the world can offer. It's peace that only God can offer because only God has this type of power. Only God has this type of peace. It's also not by accident that the fruits of the Spirit, among the, the fruit of the Spirit, is peace. That's because the Spirit is what brings that. The Spirit is the one who can show us and allow us to have true peace. And this last phrase here, verse 27, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus was having to tell them this because things were going to be changing. You know, it, they, they knew that they were closely connected to their, their heavenly father. But then Jesus, who was right here with them all the time, he was going to be leaving them. Things were going to be changing. And Jesus did not want to, them to let their hearts be troubled. He did not want them to be afraid. And this, this phrase is not the only time it even appears in this chapter. Because that same phrase about do not let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid, it appears at the beginning of this chapter. So now let's let's back up as we draw this uh, lesson to a close. Let's back up toward the first few verses of this chapter and let's read something wonderful. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, this will bring us full circle to where we started. Now we see. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you were going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this passage, he is still trying to get them to recognize that they don't need to let their hearts be troubled. There doesn't need to be a reason for this trouble. They needed to trust during this time. This phrase that shows up in verse 2 about my father's house has many rooms. Well, when you look at the phrase about my father's house, you find out it's already shown up once in John's gospel. At the very beginning of John's gospel, in John chapter 2, Jesus goes into the temple and he calls it 
my father's house. And whenever he went into the temple, he was he was disappointed by what he saw. That's whenever he overthrows the the uh, the tables of the money changers. And in John two seventeen, he refers to the temple as his father's house. And you know, the temple had had many rooms, and those rooms were supposed to be dedicated for holy purposes. So I can't help but read this passage and notice that what Jesus is saying is that he has set things up for this temple. The temple was supposed to be the house of God, the dwelling place of God here on this earth. And Jesus himself, by being the way, the truth, and the life, he has given us the way to follow the Father. Just like that ancient Jewish temple of old, how it had the different rooms and all of this was, was to serve the purpose of serving our Father. Well, Jesus has given us the way to follow the Father. And he's given us the way to serve him, that we can come to him and have that, that know that dwelling place among God and God being dwelling among us. That's wonderful. And Jesus has made that way because he is the way, he is the truth, he's the life. Now the question just comes to us. Will you follow that way? Will you serve him? And will you see the Father? Because you have the opportunity to. If you just follow Jesus. Ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. When the bridegroom comes, will I be there to meet him in the air? And will my lamp be burning bright? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Master comes today, will I be in or cast away? And will he find me faithful there? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day. If the Lord should choose delay, will I be true until that day? And will my oil be plenty then? Will my Lord find me prepared? Yes, I'll be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, ready, Lord. I want to be ready for the judgment day.